This is part two of my interview with wrestling legend, Wade Chalice. Enjoy the show. So anyhow, uh, we were going back to the uh, covered belts. Yes. The judo system, I think, is the ultimate system of training to continue to sport. In wrestling, we beat the hell out of our young kids. Make it in there, you know, and the first, you know, first practice, it's shake hands, step back and get after it. Yeah. You know, and little Johnny's in tears and he comes out of there. Like, oh, I'm anymore, Johnny. And he quits. Why? Because he got his butt kicked, you know, and it was, it was, and, and you know, but it's, it's not fair in the first, second, third year of wrestling when you get out there and that Johnny, who's a little overweight for his, for being a six-year-old, he, because he's a little bit overweight, it, He's up there wrestling the eight and nine-year-olds who have three years of wrestling experience versus his three hours of wrestling experience. Right. Hours in makes a huge difference in wrestling in all the martial arts. And we chase out so many great wrestlers that could have been Olympic champions. We don't even know we lost. that came out for the sport and then quit because we didn't treat them well. Our mindset is, you know, they've been out for three weeks and, and uh, the coach comes over to the mother and says, hey, we're, I'm, the team's going to the national championships next week in Omaha. You know, we'd like to take Johnny along. Really? Yeah, he'll be fine. Character development, he'll be fine. He doesn't know what character development is. He can't spell the word. He doesn't know what it is. What do you mean character development? That means he's going to sit in a bench for two days and sit in a 7,000-square-foot tan cement block building and compete for 13.5 seconds in two, in two days. And then come home and go, that was so much fun. I can't wait till next week. Are you kidding me? Right. Like in the judo, for the most part, I'm making a generality. Anything that's over 90%, I'm saying is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and there are exceptions. They're such good stewards of their sport in martial arts, especially judo. You know, Johnny gets a little white belt and he, you know, and he learns how to stand and bow and start a little bit. And, and then he drills some technique with a passive partner, not someone's going live and he gets a pat in the back. And now with the, with the dojo master gets out of that, the sensei, he gets a 29.95 a month. Mom has to write a check for. So every, you know, every year there's $360 that he gets for Johnny. Yeah. So why would he want Johnny to quit at the end of one month? It would cost him $330. What wrestling does, they'll get 35 kids out at any elementary program the first year. And by the end of the year, they're down to 12. Oh, wow. So when you, you know, they lose well over 50% of their kids. So when you have, let's say, 40 and you're down to 20, 20 times 300, okay? And uh, that's 12,000, something like that. Anyhow, but you already had 12,000 walk out the door. Uh, if you can't figure this out, go to your wife. She'll explain it to you. You're right. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's 12000 We need a new washer and dryer, and you you chased out $12,000 worth of kids? Yeah. Did, did someone drop you on your head when you were young? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, but the martial, in the martial arts, they don't take kids to competition. They do, but they don't. Right. I mean, these kids, if they go to one tournament a year, that's ex- that's extreme. I th- and I could be wrong, but I don't see a lot of tournaments around wrestling tournaments, a dime a dozen. They're in every street corner. Yeah. You know, every town, every city, you know, they're all over the place because they're fundraisers for that particular program. They have a tournament. They get 400 kids to show up and pay $25 to, 
times 400 and they run a two day tournament and they walk away and that's their, that's the money that they use all year long to feed their family as well as keep their, the doors open and pay the rent on the facility and buy new mats. Right. So wrestling uses tournaments as their main means of funding, especially at the elementary level. But now th- that doing that is on the backs of the little kids. You know, when okay. little Johnny in front of his mom and dad go out there and he gets blistered in the first period, you know, it's it, it was 14 to 2 before he gets pinned. He comes off crying and he's quitting. And again, there's another $2,000 just walked out the door for you, coach. Right out. Yeah. Uh, but coaches aren't smart enough necessarily to see that 2000. They, that, the wife has to explain it to them. Right. So the jujitsu have, especially judo and jujitsu, they have a great business model that's designed for success, financial success. And you never know who quit and who stayed. Oh, obviously the, wins, the guys who's winning wants to stay and the guys who are getting waxed want to quit. Right. You know, but okay, you had 30 and, and 15 guys waxed the other 15, so now you got 15 left. So those 15 have to wrestle against each other instead of those other 15 are no longer there. So out of those, you're going to have five guys waxing the other 10. Right. Five of those are going to quit. So now you're down to 10. Now these guys are probably pretty good at this point, so they're going to stick it out. But you started with 30, now you have 10. Mom and dad, whoever's watching this, if you want to go and look for a club for your kid in elementary wrestling, you walk in the door – and if the coach said, you know, hey, coach, how are you doing? My name is Bob, and this is little Johnny. Or I are doing? Hey, you know, how kind of program? Tell me a little bit about your program. Well, just, hey, look up on the wall up there. I got, we got eight first-place trophies last year in this tournament. We did that. I have these two Olympians. You know, it sounds great. If they start showing you trophies, you don't want to go there. Interesting. Wow. That, they're using the kids to get those trophies. And right. they don't – that's – Coaches have a larger ego than they have financial sense. Right. Egos are bigger than their financial sense. I've told so many friends of mine that when I, w- I did Eagle Hawk, that was a club I had in Washington, D.C. And Eagle Hawk, I had 480 kids. Wow. And they were paying $30 a month. Wow. Figured it out. Yeah. I have friends calling me from all over. How are you doing that? I got 84 kids. You got 480. I said, well, I, I have a, a philosophy that you won't follow. You know, so, you know, Interesting. I'm, I don't even have to tell you. And, you know, no, no, tell me, coach. I said, well, it's this way. You can either feed your belly or you can feed your ego. Pick one. You can't have both. And you got to confront that. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go to tournaments and win everything, beat the shit out of the kids. And, you know, you're going to have 80. You're going to get down to 24 gunslingers. These guys are going to go to tournaments. They're going to win. You're going to get those trophies on the wall up there. And that's what you want. But eventually, you can't feed your family on 24 kids. Great point. You can on 200, 300. Again, ask your wife. She'll explain it to you. Yeah, right. yeah very thoroughly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you feed your belly, you'll do the right thing for the kids. These kids are going to get tough anyhow. Yeah. But, but little Johnny, who quit last week after two weeks of wrestling, he was a little fat Johnny. He was six. What the hell does he know? He may turn into be a gorilla. He may be an NFL all pro, but he's yeah. not six years old. <laughs> yeah. He does not look good in a singlet. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had a young man in Grundy, Virginia. I, I ran the program, summer wrestling program in Grundy. I started in 1983. I had, uh, there was a gentleman in Grundy, Virginia, which is on the Western corner of Virginia. 
you can see Tennessee and you can see West Virginia, and you can see North Carolina, you know, from, from their place, you know, it's right at the corner. And it's a, it's a cold country. It's, it's great people, but it's a really, really small town. And uh, it was a miner, a gentleman who owned a lot of mines. He was probably the richest guy in Virginia. Man. And because he owned all the, you know, Tennessee, West Virginia, Kentucky, oil, coal mines. He had Argentina, you know, he had everywhere. Man. And he was the smartest man I ever met in my entire life. He had three doctorates, mining engineering in, in uh, law and uh, what's the other, psychology. And if I ever had a problem, I'd go to him and I'd say, hey, Red, uh, uh, help me with this. And I'd give him a half hour explanation of my problem, you know. And he'd go, hmm. Okay, well, and he'd give me a two-sentence response, and then I'd go. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so clear. Yeah. Why the hell did I have to, you know, I'm sorry I bothered you, Red. Yeah. He says, no, no, it was a good problem. But he could take, take the most complex and turn it to the most simplest. He was good. And he said, wait, I, I hate losers. I hate to lose. Yeah. No, he didn't say losers. He said, I hate to lose. We're not going to lose here. What's it going to take? So he drove me around Grundy, Virginia. It was very depressed area of coal mining. And they had eight elementary schools that fed the high school. And each elementary was up in a different holler. Okay. <laughs> you know, here, you're in the hollers. You're yeah. at, oh, matter of fact, the Hatfields and the McCoys, the Hatfields were in Grundy. The McCoys were across the river in Tennessee. Yeah. It was the Hatfields and the McCoys. Oh, man. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Lovely <laughs> people. Lovely people. And so I, I drove around. They didn't have wrestling room or didn't have anything. I knew what they needed to do, but, you know, I didn't let's say how much money it was going to cost. It was going to cost money, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, here. He slid a tablet across it, and he says, get down to the hotel tonight and start dreaming. Put down as much, everything we need. No matter what it is, put it down. Put a price tag to it. And then go most expensive to least expensive. And okay. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to draw a line somewhere. And from there down, we're going to do her. Wow. And so you so you got a platinum card, carte blanche, have at it. I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> I could dream. So I get out of the hotel. I'm going, okay, what do I start with? Uh, a double-decker Greyhound bus, $800,000, you know, <laughs> 500000 wrestling room built, you know, for wow. two mats, yeah. washer, dryer, sauna, jacuzzi, weight room, coaching offices, designed it. And then coaching salaries, three mats for the high school, two mats for the middle school, one mat for each one of the eight elementary schools, coaching salaries for each one. And I brought it back and, you know, I was at 2.4 or something like that million. You know, hey, dream it. There you go. Dream it. <laughs> you know, said, go for it. <laughs> you know? So I came up, I was laughing. I slid it across, you know, and he looked at it and, you know, he got his pen out and went, okay, go do it. <laughs> what? He didn't cross what? anything off. He said, go do it. Said, You're going to be kidding me. You know. Oh, so man. we started in Grundy. And we started these things. And then a couple years later, we had the largest USA wrestling club in America. We had 475 kids in our club oh, in a town that had 800 kids in their high school. <laughs> We're not talking about senior year. We're talking about ninth through 12th, 800 kids, oh. you know. If you had something between your legs, you were wrestling. In <laughs> That's what now, you did. I was back before the ladies got involved or we'd have had a lot more kids. But right. 
I said, Red, he said, I want you to set this up for me. I said, okay, I can do that. I said, but you have to follow what I'm going to tell you. And what I'm going to tell you, every coach you run into is going to tell you I'm wrong. But let me tell you why I'm going to tell you what I'm about to say. And you analyze if I'm right or wrong. And he went, oh, okay. So I said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to start, we're going to have eight elementary programs. Now I need your help to go talk to the superintendent who's going to talk to the principal, who's going to talk to the elementary principals, and they're going to tell them what they're doing. You're not going to ask them what they're doing. Because if you ask, you know, you know, that's just one more headache for them. They're going to say no. Yeah. He said, I can do that. I said, great. And what we're going to do at the elementary level is for coaching staff, as an example, we're going to bring in somebody and we're going to pay them 80 grand to start. This was back in the 80s. So 80 grand was a nice, really nice salary. And just to coach wrestling, he wasn't a teacher. He was just the wrestling coach. And the assistant coach was going to come from the high school. And I said, now, the assistant coach, if he can spell the word wrestling or has done any wrestling himself, he's not eligible to be the head coach. And we're going to make him the head coach, the high school guys, the head coach. The technical guy who's coming in for 80 grand is going to be the technician, wrestling room, sit mat side, run the program there. There's going to be a big, thick, thick black line delineation between the head coach and the assistant coach. Assistant does this, head does this. If either guy crosses over that big, thick line and says, well, I didn't see the line, fire his ass. Wow. Yeah. Head coach talks to the administration. He gets the buses. He gets the money from the school. It's going to get the food for the kids done on the trips. He's going to be the one talking to the media. He's the one that represents the high school with the state high school association on do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. The assistant coach may not talk to the news media, cannot talk to the principal of the high school, does not answer questions to the state high school association. He is training the kids. He is sitting mat side. This guy, his head coach, is not allowed to sit mat side. He's not allowed to come over and say, hey, shouldn't they be doing the switch over here? Shouldn't they? Hey, Johnny, you, you got to work harder. Right. Coach, right. Get out of here. If yeah. you never come to practice, fine with me. Instead of the $2,000 stipend, I think we gave him fifteen. So he was very, you know, his his wife was pleased with him, and he was pleased not to even have to deal with that. Right. And they weren't allowed to cross over because at nighttime, there would be bed pillow talk. The head coach, his wife go, wow, you know, he's getting a credit for coaching these kids, and, and you're not getting credit. I wouldn't take that from, you know, you know hush, wife. You're right. You can't have this conversation over here. I'll take my 15000 thank you very much, and give it to you. Get off my back. Yeah. Separation, church, and state. And now at the elementary level, I said, how we're going to do this is similarly, the head coach is someone from the community that everyone looks up to, that they like, who, again, if he spell, if he wrestled or can spell the word wrestling, he's not eligible to be the coach. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. He's just a great guy who loves the kids. Period. And he's going to be there to open the door in the elementary schools, put the mat down, practice and lock it up at the end, talk to the parents, answer questions, hand out handouts, you know, whatever they're going to do, timing, workout partners and tool meets and so on. And now, well, who's going to be the technician, Wade? Well, what we're going to do is it's going to be an eight week program. We have eight elementaries. We're going to have a dual meet for seven weeks. Each team going to wrestle each other on Tuesday nights. Made the up. You could have it Wednesday or Monday. I don't care. Pick a night. We'd turn out to be Tuesdays. And then at the end, on the eighth week, we're going to have a county championship. 
where all eight teams come together for a county championship. Now, at the county championships, we're going to have what they call a Madison system of weighing in, uh, where you just line them all up, the smallest guy here and the biggest guy down at that end of the gym, and you go one, two, three, four, you're in weight, weight class A. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you're in weight class B over here. So there's only going to be four in a weight class the whole way up, just size only. Yeah. So that the worst kid in the tournament is going to finish fourth and he's going to get a medal. Yeah. <laughs> Gold, silver, bronze, copper. He's getting a medal. So, grandmother, my grandson took fourth in the county this year. He did. Never won a match, but he was fourth. Yeah. Everyone has success. Success, yes. Now, what are you doing for technique, coach? Well, it's a good question. I'll be glad to answer that for you. What we're going to do is that, that eight-week season starts the day after the state high school championships and goes for eight weeks. No longer than eight weeks. You're going to get coaches that want to, we'll keep on going. No. We have a start and stop date. So when you start the first week, even if Johnny doesn't like what he's doing, he can see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train. Because my mother always taught me, you're going to finish what you start. You started wrestling. You're going to finish it this year. If you don't want to wrestle again, that's fine with me. Don't go out next year. But you always finish what you begin. Right. And that's a good lesson for all youngsters. Yeah. And, and adults, too. You know, I'm 70 now, so I don't follow that much anymore. No. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so now what the coach does, the head coach at the high school, he does videos this week of what he wants all eight elementary schools to go over. Oh, okay. He dubs the tape eight times, or the DVDs, and he hands them to two kids on his team. You get a senior, and you put them with a ninth grader. Oh, okay. Upperclassmen, lowerclassmen. Those two are the co-head coaches at that elementary. They take the DVD. They go home and watch it. They repeat it word for word on how the head coach taught. Same oh, jokes, okay. same words, yes. same technique. For this week, next week, the coach, head coach at the high school makes another disc. So he has eight discs Okay, eight each week. And now he takes the freshman, underclass JV kid, and the varsity kid together, and they go teach. And they become the head coaches at this elementary for those eight weeks. And then at the end, they have competition. Now, for the dual meets, this is the way we're doing it. Because it's so hard on kids to lose. Okay, you and I are the head coaches, or the, the, the kids, First of all, you have the upperclassmen teaching the lowerclassmen how to how to act, how to work ethic, and so on. So the senior is teaching the ninth grader about learning and teaching and becoming one with the program. Got it. Okay. So you're pulling the high school group together too. Now in the matches, the two parents that run the program, elementary A and elementary B, get together. We're wrestling each other this Tuesday night. I have a list of my 35 kids that I have on my team, and you have 32 on your team. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, and I list my kids, you know, Johnny, seven-year-old, 70-pound, A wrestler. Got it. 80-pound, five-year-old, D wrestler. Nobody is allowed to see that paper except you and the other coach. No parent gets to see what his kid is listed as. Right. So now on Monday night, we get together, you and I, over a beer, and we sit down and we pair up our kids. Okay. Our goal, our night, is to have 34 matches end 5-4-3-2-1-0-9-8. If we have a 10-2, you and I screwed up. Uh, interesting. Okay. So we may pair a six-year-old A wrestler with an eight-year-old D wrestler. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Now, you know, you don't care if anyone sees the age, but you don't want anyone to see it as an A, B, or C, or D, because my son's a, my son's a D. Why is he a D? He should be a C. So, but dad wants to make him a C. If you move him a C, he's going to get his ass kicked. Yeah. He's yeah. going to quit. Is that what you want, dad? You, you want him to quit? Right. Right. So you pair them up, weight and, and quality. And at the end of a match, you raise both kids' hands regardless of the score. Got and you it. pick them up and you carry them off on your shoulder. Yay! And your team cheers for Johnny for his effort. Not he, he had four points. The other kid had five points. You're cheering for the effort. And both hands get raised all the time. If he gets pinned, wow. both hands get up. They both succeeded because it was all based on effort. And it makes them want to go. Like you said, uh, victory tasty and there. Now we have meetings, which we always had a meeting with. If you were going to wrestle, you had to have a representative of your family, an aunt, an uncle, grandmother, mother, dad, in the auditorium for a team meeting about wrestling for this eight weeks period. And we explained what we're doing. We explained that scoring system and why we did it. And this is different than what you're used to, but why we're doing it is this reason. And we're not going to keep any team score. Let me repeat that. No team score. Because once you have a team score, then the coach's egos get involved. And they're oh. going to put little Johnny out against this hammer so that he, you know, he can win these two matches and just get killed in this match. And right. he's trying to win the duel. So he, that varsity wrestler can go back and go, my team won the county championship. And then, you know, you start throwing kids to the wolves because you want to win. If there's no winning for the coach, then he's, he, he focuses on what's best for the kids. So the, no team score. And, and we explain all this to the parents. And if someone doesn't have a representative, he's not wrestling this year. Got it. Okay. You have to have a representative because it's important that you know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then if we see anybody in the stands keeping team score just to see who had won. Yeah. We're going to escort you out of the gym, never to be allowed back in. It's wow. that important. Yeah. This is why we're doing it. You know, because you're going to go back and say, you know, our team won. You know. Yeah. Right. And that, right. Team, and that grandparent's going to say that the other grandparent of the loser, you know, but we beat you. Yeah. And next thing you know, you have – you have problems within the community of who was the best and who was winners. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we had the largest club in USA wrestling because we didn't have kids quitting. Wow. Yeah. And then we, you know, then we wouldn't let any outside team, Hey, can we come in and scrimmage you guys? You guys look like you're having a good program. Come on. We like to scrimmage you from five times, five towns over. Nope. Because as soon as you have their team versus your team, they're throwing kids to the wolves. You're throwing, you're trying to, you know, so that your team wins. And the kids become the, the puppets here, you know, and they get beat up. And then they quit. And then you lose because the kid quit. Yeah. If you, start, if you start with 22 kids this year on your team in eight weeks, if you have 23 to 30 kids, you won this year, coach. If you have 18 or 15, you lost. It makes so much sense. And it's for the betterment of Everybody. the kids. Yeah, moving forward. That makes so much sense. And you're right, because everybody would say this is not the right way to do it. You know, you got to get the gold and you got to get, like you said, egos. You can't, you, you you should be in jail. You're abusing the children. It's child abuse. The way you're handling it. And then we take, we go to some of the parents after eight weeks and we go, now, Bob, we have two more weeks that nobody knows about. We're going to go to a couple of weight tournaments and your kid's really advanced. 
Now, it may only be two kids per, per 25 out of that team that are that good. So we may only have 10 kids or 15 kids or 22 kids, you know, out of 400 that are really ready to right. leave and get, get their nose bloodied a little bit. We don't want you to tell anybody. We don't want anybody to know that we're doing this. But, you know, and we're not even talking to Johnny, your son. You have to tell us that you'd like to do this and be part of that. And then we'll, then you can tell your son. But, you know, I don't want you to nix it. And then he find out that you nixed it. Now he doesn't like you, dad. What can I do? I want to do I want to be with my friends. You know? <laughs> so, and then what we do, we'd have, you know, another two weeks quietly. We would, they'd find out about it, but we didn't rub it in anyone's nose that we were right. doing that. Now this is where the double-decker Greyhound bus comes in. Now we're off to the – we're going in comfort to Washington, D.C. or oh, Cleveland, Ohio or whatever to wrestle the, on week, different weekends with this all-star team coming out of Grundy because these 20 kids or 30 kids are ready to get get into the all-star level. And at the end of the eighth week, we had a, we'd had we have a potluck get-together down at the community park and we'd play frisbee and softball and eat pies and throw water balloons <laughs> at each other. And and the kids just had a blast. It was fun to be a wrestler. They didn't right. lose. They worked out. The head coach at the high school would tell a couple jokes elementary. In my phone, I must have 25 dumbest knock-knock jokes you know, that I, when I'm teaching, <laughs> I'm teaching elementary kids, why are pirates called pirates? Because they are. <laughs> what do you call two artichokes talking to one another? Well, heart to heart. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is a pilot's favorite bagel? What's that? Plain. Pl- oh, <laughs> What did what did the fish say when it ran into the concrete wall? What's that? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, every now and then you throw a joke in, and all the kids go, "Oh!" Or they laugh, yeah. at and they'll tell you a couple, and you and you get them back when you lose them. You gotta, gotta make it fun. So make, yeah, we, make make it fun. And, have, and then we'd have the county championships, and the worst kid on the worst team took fourth in the county. So he got a medal and he got an attaboy and a pat in the back. And now they have, they're closing in on the national record for having the most state championship teams wow. of any high school in America. They have, I think they have 27 state titles now Wow! in Virginia. They are awesome program. You know, other people do the same thing I did, but they, everybody was telling me I was wrong. You know, because you know, everybody has that same mindset. You I know, think it makes I, a bigger pool of people too. You know, instead of like losing potential champions to – Getting beat up right away, you know? Now, I'd like to take credit for this, but I cannot. But I'm going to tell you a story that makes it look like I know what I was doing, but I didn't. Okay. We had this, then we, I I come up every summer and I, you know, hey, Red, how's everything going? Yeah, we had this kind of problem over here. We had that, let's sit down and try to figure it out. And I try to fine tune it, you know, tighten down a nut or screw over here, you know, figure it out to, you know, get get it back on track or, you know, try to help out a little bit each year. And I do a week summer camp. There and uh, I come in and you know kids were everywhere they were climbing a wall and uh, I had this uh, I, all right kids the elementary program everybody run over there and line up against the wall <laughs> they all run over the wall and I'd had this one little fat Johnny call you know uses little meatball he'd walk around and go where'd everybody go <laughs> he had no you know, over here Johnny you go you know yeah. So, you know, and affectionately, I called him Sky King. Sky King was an old 
1950s TV show that I loved when I was a little kid about a kid, about a, a rancher in Cal- out in the Midwest somewhere who had a twin engine beach craft and his plane was called the Sky King. Oh. And, and he would fly over his ranch and, you know, go to the far ends of the big ranch and he'd be able to land. And it was more like a Roy Rogers type of then there would be problems and he had to solve the problems and beat off the bad guys. But he'd fly around in his plane, the Sky King. And uh, so I called this kid at Sky King. It's Sky King, get over here. Okay, coach. <laughs> you know, I put my arm around him. I said, you know, I think this kid can trip over the mat, lines on the mat. He's yeah. hurting himself. You know, hey, I need to, can you be my assistant? I need an assistant coach. Can you, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, you're my assistant coach. You stay with me. Okay, now I need you to blow the whistle. No, no. He'd blow it hard and they'd all run. And he'd like that he was my assistant coach. You know, because he, he, no, he had no business being in the wrestling room. Yeah. You know, the next year, I show up for camp, and his mother shows up. She goes, thank God you're here. I said, why? For four weeks. When Coach is coming? I want to be his yeah. coach this year. You know, every day he'd say this to his mother. You know, here he is. You know, yeah. hi, Coach. You going to be my assistant? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. here's your whistle. He was my assistant, you know, for a couple of years. And then uh, he started finally growing into his body. And then he started to come back. He was a heavyweight. He was just a big boy, a lot of a lot of roles on him. Yeah. And uh, and then by the time he graduated in high school, he was a four-time high school state champion in heavyweight. He won Fargo twice, wow. which is the national championship for high school wrestling. And uh, then he went on to Virginia Tech and played football. And he was the starting nose guard for the Virginia Tech Hokies when they were in the national finals with Michael Vick as the quarterback. Wow. And he was first team All-American nose guard for, for, for Virginia Tech. And I had no clue that he would ever do anything like that and mature into what he was turned out to be. And is that an exception to the rule? Absolutely. But the point I'm trying to make is you never know who you're running out of the gym. It would have been so easy to throw him out of the gym the first year or two, because he was going to get hurt. He was not ready to go. He could not wrestle these guys, even at his own age, or somebody who was 20 pounds lighter, couldn't, he couldn't go with. But he, he eventually matured and became one heck wow. of a, a nice young man, adult today, family man. Uh, wrestling did wonders for him, football. And we don't know how many people we run out when they're young and they're ill-prepared to perform. That's amazing. That whole constant mindset going into that. You just never know. No, you, you, you never know. So the way you set up the elementary program, that's what I put it together, you know, and they've, they've, they've morphed over the years back and forth to, you know, and it doesn't look near what it looks like, you know, when I started, but they don't have to look that way anymore. You know, they've, yeah. they've established themselves. They have a different program, a different way of getting there, but to start out a program, I thought that was the right way to go, and, and success has proven me right. Uh, of, of, you know, because it, it was a small, it's a small school, and they were beating schools of three and four thousand kids with eight hundred wow. kids. You know, um, amazing, and they're just they have a tremendous program, and all centered around Red Robertson and his willingness to put some money and some time into a program because he gave you know the community where he lived, or basically coal community, and all the miners basically gave him what he had. Of course, yeah. he owned, you know what was going on, but then he right. would give back to the community in different ways. 
and he never wanted his name on anything. There was, wow. an, orphan, there was an orphanage in town and it was called the Flowing River or something like that, the orphanage. Then it was all his money. Now, some, a lot of people knew that, but his name was never on the door. There was never a Red Robertson gymnasium or anything like that. Right. Uh, he was just a, he was happy to stand in the background and, and being able to help other people. And he was just uh, America needs two million more Red Robertsons. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, sadly. But anyway, oh, uh, nice program. I hope some people can get pull some ideas from what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. Because it's needed. And how much? How many lives you affect? And that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Is like I mean, you've, you've affected me included. Uh, you've affected so many people's lives in the positive. I mean, obviously your your training coming up, your success uh, for your own uh, kind of career on that, and then passing it on to your students and what you're even saying here to this day. You know, people getting ideas on how to do this. You know, like what kind of where do you see like future of wrestling and grappling in general, and whether it's helping people? Where, where's that going? Wrestling, you know, it's it's morphing. We're we're losing a lot of programs, and we're gaining some programs, but we're losing the Division One programs at the college level, and we're gaining at the D- Division Three level. Uh, and people, and we're, wrestling's in trouble in rest, in America. Oh. Um, now I'm going to be the first one to you know say the sky is falling, be the chicken little. Uh, yeah. But if you look at the numbers, I'm, I'm right. I mean we're you know, we used to have upwards of 700 collegiate programs, and now we're down in the 300s. Uh, so, you know, someone you can no one can tell me we're going the right direction when we're half as big as we were in the, in the 70s. Right. And but the number, the quality of the kids, are, you know, we're we're just not we're not getting the lower end of the kids anymore that might have been there. And of course, we're living we're maybe losing you know one or two or three Olympians or world level kids out of the out of the bunch. But we're getting we're still very very strong globally. Uh, the uh, men, as of this week, as of today and yesterday and day before, uh, we're it, we're going to win the world championships. Um, they'll be finished uh, tomorrow. Uh, we'll have more gold medals and silver and bronze than any other country. But that's that's really good news. The bad news is the Russians aren't there because of what's going on with the you know Crimea, Ukraine, and so on. So the Russians didn't show up. Uh, so it was a little easier world this year for us, and the Iranians are second, and the women are right. second. The women are second to the Japanese. The Japanese have a, a wonderful, amazing women's program going, and we're doing quite well. But not not what not what we can't we can't compete with the Japanese yet. But it's 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 going that way. Uh, so we're having we're having some challenges, in, in the sky is falling in wrestling because we have no fans. <laughs> Uh, freestyle has no fans. Greco, no one, no one even knows where a tournament is to go to. So, yeah. we, and the women are, you know, it's like the WNBA versus the NBA. And, you know, the women have some fans, they have some board, and they do a great job. And they should. Have, I wish they would have twice as many fans as we have, that the men have. But it's it's just the way it is right now that that's not a, you know a, a accept accepted program, you know, as it should be. Uh, so the power is the NCAA college men's program and the freestyle uh, for international. And in the college level, we're struggling uh, with forfeits and weight classes now. A lot of teams don't. I mean, the, the top 20 teams certainly have a full lineup, but after that, they don't necessarily. And on the high school level, there's forfeits are everywhere now. We have thir- typically 13 weight classes-ish, depending on what particular state we're talking about. Maybe 12, might be 14, but it's usually 13 weights. 
And on average, there's at least two, if not four, forfeits, you know, in dual meets now. Wow. They can't, they can't, you know, can't fill the lineup. Uh, today with wokeism, and I won't say any more about that, but, you know, it's it, kids aren't really willing to go through the process of what martial arts wrestling requires and ruin. Right. Uh, you know they're they're not they're not up for that anymore, and so we get to, we still get the tough kids, uh, but you know football will siphon away and basketball will siphon away some of the upper weights, and uh, and then the coaches will run up run a lot of kids off the, out of the room when they're young and there's that yeah and we already covered why now at the collegiate level you know we're down in the three hundreds you know from the seven hundred on the collegiate level now we're getting more D one D three schools starting wrestling but. The only reason they're starting, and why a lot of our wrestling people think that we're okay, we're still, you know, our numbers aren't haven't been dropping for ten or fifteen years now. Well, we haven't had a, a, a serious Division One program start this decade. You know, uh, wow, we're not starting. You know, you know, you know, UCLA, USC, Texas. There isn't one team in the Southeastern Conference in football. Florida, Florida State, LSU, you know, Alabama, none of them have wrestling. You know, Syracuse doesn't have, I mean, there's a lot of major, you know, we that don't have wrestling anymore for many reasons that, which, uh, you know, I don't need to, you know, kick the dead horse here on why. Yeah. Uh, but the D3s are doing more because colleges are not getting the numbers that they once had students. So, you know, in a D3 school, a small one, it's not like you're going to Alabama to go watch the football and go to school there. Right. They still have, you know, they, they let in, you know, 5,000 students and they and send out rejection letters to 10,000 students. Yeah. They're in good shape. But the small D3 schools don't have enough people to sit, you know, fill their seats and they're losing money and, you know, they're going to have to tighten their belt. So what Mike Moyer, the national, the executive director of our National Wrestling Coaches Association, he does, he travels a lot and does a wonderful job talking to presidents. Mr. President, you know, you start a wrestling program. We're talking about 30 wrestlers here, you know, and at the D3 level, you're not, the NCAA doesn't allow scholarships. So you don't have scholarship commitments. So what, what you're going to need is probably 200,000, 250, 300 to pay two coaches to have travel wrestling room, mats, singlets, and so on, you're probably going to need, let's say, 300000 Well, I don't need any money. I'm, I'm trying to get money. Yeah. Let's work the numbers out here. You know, it's 25000 a year to go here times 30 wrestlers. You do the numbers. Right. Okay. Now, and I can't do the numbers on the top. I'm going to say it's about 800000 700000 800000 I just know it's real quick math. Okay, you've got 800 coming in, and I'm asking for three. If I sit here and say I'm going to give you eight hundred thousand dollars, if you would give me three hundred thousand back, would you do that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start wrestling. Right, right. Start wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, you're going to, the, the coach is going to go out and, and recruit kids. He's going to get thirty kids to come out, or twenty-five, or twenty-two, or thirty-eight, whatever. But you know, you're going to you're going to double your money. You're going to get five hundred. You're going to give me two fifty. Right. And now you got butts in seats. Yeah. Now, you, now you can pay for three more staff members with that two hundred fifty thousand, which you didn't have, you know, a moment ago. And that's your simple math on it, right? I mean, yeah. And they're seeing the, the logic of that, and so D three programs are are on the rise. Now, I, I, when I say on the rise, we may get two this year and three next year, and one the following year, and then five. You know, it, it, but it's not you know twenty this year and then fifty. 
but you know we're going up in the D three and we're coming down in the D ones. So in a, it's based on finances. You know we don't have fans. What do you mean? I go to the NCAs every year and there's packed sold in standing room only, all sold out every year. Yeah, that's twenty thousand people that show up at the NCAs. It's the same twenty every year. Well, it's probably the same fifteen, and the other five are made. From yeah, there's the fathers and the coaches of this new staff member or new wrestlers. But it's the same people, you know. But that's all we have, you know. The dual meets, the wrestlers outnumber the fans. Right, right. You know? And when was the last time you saw one of those dual meets on TV? Never. So there's no TV money. Does the local high school or newspaper cover the match? No. Why? Because he walks shows up. And why am I here to write a story about these two wrestling teams? And there's nobody in the gym. So that means no one's going to read my article. So my byline is not going to get any pluses for me. So why am I doing it? Right. They don't come. So we're, we're not seeing where we need to go. I said, guys, we've been doing what we've been doing for 150 years. And we're failing miserably. We're on food stamps. Right. And the UFC... They've been, they've been doing what they've been doing for 25 years and are a multi-billion dollar company now. What do they do different? Why don't we maybe take some of their ideas? I mean, you know. Yeah. Oh, we can't do that. You know, that'd be plagiarism. Or that'd be, you know, we're going to do it our way. You're going to do it your way? You've been doing yeah. it your way for 150 years. <laughs> yeah. Aren't it's not working. You know, it ain't working. You know? Well, you know, I don't like it. It's, I don't like that change. I don't give a shit if you like the change or not. Does it make sense? You need butts and me. seats, though, right? I mean, at the end of the you day. Can, you can't tell me. I don't ever want to hear, I don't like it. If you can't tell me why you don't like it, you can't say, you're not allowed to say, I don't like it. Just because right. you don't like it. It's changed. I don't like it. Yeah. Why not? We've got to, you know, it's not hard to change what we're doing. Coaches just don't want to. Right. In, right. in, in the UFC, I said people are throwing a punch every 2.1 seconds. In wrestling, someone's taken a shot in 2.1 minutes. Right. And the people in the stands are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we teach the slowdown approach. Win by one point. You know, there's no incentive. We don't incentivize scoring. In the oh, MMA, okay. the incentive is to throw punches and win. In wrestling, it's to play the edge, down block, keep the referee off your ass, and hopefully he'll make one mistake and you slip behind him and get a two point and he gets. You know, and then you went two to one. You have to incentivize action. We don't want scoring. We want action. Now, scoring will come out as a byproduct of action. Yeah. But, it, you know, people say, well, we need more scoring. God damn it. Stop saying the word scoring. We You're don't right. want scoring. We want action. Action. Which will then lead to scoring. But if you go to – you can have a match at seven to five – and not have one kid score an offensive point. Oh, yeah. They could be stalling, penalties, and, and you could have seven to five match. And it wasn't one takedown, one escape, or one back set of back points. Do you, would you uh, attribute to that to a lot of the success you had on, on your own? Like, going, I mean, like, like go back to 1972, you know, you, you win the championship. Uh, is that you pressing that action, pressing the action? Yeah, well, I think there are some kids, even today, you know, that will open up just because it's their nature. They just, they're hyperactive or whatever, and yeah. they're going to go no matter what. I don't care what the rules are. I'm going to get after it. I just, I, I got to go. But, you know, that's 1% of the population. 
Right, right, yeah. Uh, I'm going to outwork everybody. That's 1% of the population. And that's why they're billionaires and millionaires is because that 1% is going to outwork everybody else. Yeah. While you're sitting around complaining that you didn't get your, your check on time from the government, you know, I'm, I'm chopping a lot more wood and making a lot more money. Pinning, to me, is if you're Jordan Burroughs and you get your move on me five times during a match, double legs, you're up 10 to, five, 10 to 4 because you had to cut me loose for one point four times to take me down five. So you're winning 10 to four. You did your thing five times. boy, Good job. I get my move once. And tomorrow's newspaper says Shallus won by fall. Doesn't say it was losing 10 to four at time of fall. It just says one by fall. Me. I'm, I'm putting my money on the pin. I only have to do that once. I don't have to get that once. Yeah. Burroughs is going to do his thing five times. I'm assuming he's going to screw up once during those five times. And it's only going to take one screw up and it's going to be over. You know, you, you get your Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, your Gracie's. They rode this pony to death, fall on their back, spread their legs. Guy gets on. Next thing you know, they're tapping out. Yeah. They weren't strikers. They weren't great on their feet. They weren't great on the on top. They just roll to their back and wait for you to screw up. And then, oh, and then they choke you out. Yeah. You know, now they have they had 18, 18 different ways of choking you out from that guard position, you know. And when I went into Sambo, which had a guard position, I watched, you know, it didn't take but you know, three minutes, four maybe, to watch this sport and go, uh, I'm gonna I gotta stay the hell out of guard. You know, the, the guy who wins guard is the guy who's in it more often. Whoever practices it more is gonna win that position. Yeah. And wrestlers Early on, although they did, they caused a lot of problems with the BJJ guys. Oh. Yeah. Um, but if they lost, it was because they were stupid. And BJJ would hit the hit the guard. And the wrestler would say, I won. I took him down. I'm on top. And they would stay in guard, you know, thinking, right. that they, thinking they were in a good position, realizing that they were the defensive position is the guy on top in the guard. You're right. You're you know? right. Yeah. And uh, they weren't smart enough to realize that until it. <laughs> Then it was yeah. over. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I realized quick in Sambo, you know, I'm going to fight any position. I'll, I'll go with you in any position. But when you hit your, if I take you down, you hit your back, I'm getting the hell out of there. You're right. right. I'm standing yeah. up. I'm jumping up in the air. I don't get to do a backflip. I don't care how I get out of there. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting out of there. I'm going to pass the leg one way or the other. There's ways, you know, as I learned, as I spent more time in Sambo, how to pass, you know, the guard, you know, yeah. get, get outside the legs. And then a, Okay, Go to work. My, and, my turn. And, and, and did, did you have, uh, yeah, you had like a back in the day, like you would wrestle anyone, anytime, anywhere, uh, with the odds like two to one by fall, regardless of style. You kind of go into that, or maybe like an interesting story or two off of that. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, to me, pinning was that's all I tried to do. Now, when I coach and when I wrestled, I had the same philosophy. It's called double plus scoring. To take a guy down with a high crotch is a five-part move. Stance, motion, level change, penetration, pull the leg in, finish up, and knock him down. So you have to go through five phases, stance, motion, level change, penetration, finish up. For that, two, take down. Yay! The crowd goes crazy. No. Okay. On the way down... Everyone just learns those five. 
I, on the way down, would let go of the legs and play like I'm a little green frog. Ribbit, <laughs> ribbit, ribbit. And I'd jump on his head on the way down. So, because eight out of 10 times on any takedown, high crotch, single leg, farmer's carry, duck under, you name it, a guy will either hit his, land on his ass, land on his right hip or his left hip, but seldom do they turn and land on their belly because they still want to fight. Yeah. So eight out of 10 times on a takedown, he's already on his back. Okay. But what coaches teach is to get down on the legs, double it up, double leg, hang on to it, hold on to it, ref go two takedown, yeah! And then the guy in the bottom go, oh, shit. He'd hit, turn to his belly, and then you crawl back up off his legs on top of him, and then you spend the next minute and a half trying to turn his ass back over to where he already was. Yeah. yeah. Why, did, why did you let him off his back to start with? Because okay. they... Because they're only going to do one, two, three, four, and five. If you do five things right, you get two points. You do six things right, match ends. Wow. Okay. Or you get a double plus. You get double the points, a two, two, two and two. The two-point near fall or a three-point near fall or the opportunity to pin. So everything you do, everything I did on a takedown, on a reversal – Ends with him on his back. I teach six things on a on a high crotch, not five, because that extra thing, which is the easiest thing to do, it's just jumping. You don't have to look good. You, it, it, there's no technique involved. It's just jump, jump, frog, jump, jump up on his head. When you jump up on his head, you get an extra three points. You have to work like hell for to do five things right to get two. To jump on his head. You could be Sky King in his first year and yeah. get it and get on his head. And then you get five points for that. Now, when you're up five, five, nothing in the first period, it's pretty hard to lose the match. And if you know wow. what you're doing, the match ends. So you want to jump up. So I had, that was my philosophy and everything I did, every move ended with him on his back. Everything. Got it. Got it. Okay. Because I didn't stop with the step one, two, three, or five. I went to six. Same on a switch, a roll, a Granby. You know, I'm putting him on his back. Now, how can I pin him there? I don't know if you can see enough of me here. I'm patting my, my belly button right now. Okay. If you lay on the guy's belly button when you're pinning him, that's good. Better. Best. Kill. Okay. Better, best. Kill. So where you're laying on top of him is where you have the best opportunity to pin him. And the kids always get a kick out of this, be saying the word kill. And I have to turn to the parents and go, now we're not really killing the guy. It's yeah. just experiments. And the kids like it. They laugh about it and so on. So it's good, better, best, kill. Good, better, best. Best is right here on the upper chest close to his throat. And cool is over the face. When you're laying on his face and he can't breathe, he can't see, and he can't hear, the shoulders go down. You lay oh, on his chest, he's going to fight. When he can't hear, can't breathe, can't see, and his nose is getting pushed into the back of his brain, because you're laying on top of it, he's not a happy camper. Now, he has a choice. The coach, the ref will say, or the parents say, well, he can't breathe. That's not legal. Well, you can turn his head. If I do this, he can't breathe. If he turns his head, he can breathe. Because I'm laying here now. So it's him. You want to you want to breathe? Turn your head. Well, yeah, but I can't bridge. 
not my problem. That's your problem. That's your problem. <laughs> not my problem. It's your problem. You know, you have a choice of breathing and not bridging or bridging and not breathing. Yeah. Pick one. <laughs> so it's where you it's where you lay. You always lay on the guy's face. Oh, now, got it. If I'm laying a, we're going to say the stapler is a two by four, mm-hmm. two inches by four. If I lay this on my chest, on the four inch side, on my chest, and I'm laying on my back, and I put a hundred pound weight on top of the two by four. Okay. I'm going to feel how much weight on my chest. Yeah, hundred pounds, right? All right. Yeah. Now, when I turn the two by four this way, so the two inch sides on my chest, and oh. I put that hundred pound plate there, how much weight do I feel? As if it's got to be double. Yeah, it's double. It's 200 pounds because the area has been reduced by half. Wow. Okay. Wow. Man. So, hopefully, my chest is four inches wide. No, it's not four inches. Yeah. yeah. But it's twice as wide as it is thick. So, my chest is a two by four. Interesting. So, when I lay on top of you with 200 pounds, and that 200 pounds distributed over the four inch area is 200 pounds. When I turn sideways, um, you know, I chest on chest, and then I roll sideways, I roll a little bit to your face, and I go from here to here. So now it's the two inch side. So now I have the two inch side on your face. So now your nose is feeling 400 pounds versus 200 pounds. Interesting. So, you know, you just how much weight is being distributed over a, a, an air mass area. What an amazing concept. I mean, just so simple, but yeah, just it, how to amplify your weight alone, just that alone. And then you're pulling him up into you, which then magnifies the 400 pounds. And all of a sudden, these can't move. <laughs> this is this is not rocket science. This is no. This is, at best, fourth grade math. Thanks for listening to part two of our interview with Wade Chalice. Man, he is loaded with amazing stories, information, concepts, so much to take in. Tune in next week for the final part of the Wade Chalice interview, part three. See you then. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.